News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR on News Talk. Now, it was on this morning one year ago the people of Ukraine were awoken to the sounds of air raid sirens and bombs as Russia invaded the country. But 12 months into what Vladimir Putin describes as his special military operation, is there any end in sight of the uh, for the war? Uh, Kira Ruddick, a Ukrainian MP, what are your thoughts this morning, Kira? 12 months on from this brutal invasion. Well, I'm happy that we survived till this point. A year ago, it was not given. And I don't think too many people believed that we can survive till this point. So I'm extremely grateful. And I'm looking back at this terrifying and probably the most uh, complicated year for my nation. We have gone through so much pain and destruction and atrocities, but we are still here. We are still here and we're fighting. And we know that we will win this war. We know that there is no alternative for us. And we know that everything that we have gone through was um, was so important for the world to see us and for the world to uh, unite behind us. Do you feel the world has done that? I think yes. I think that there are so many things that we wanted to happen differently, faster. But we also know that it was a process. And right now, we feel that we are not standing alone, that we rely on so many nations, so many people from different parts of the world who support us and vouch to continue support us. I, I hear the determination uh, in your voice, that, and, and I know it's shared by many of your countrymen and countrywomen, that you will win this war. Do you worry, though, that that will take a very long time, that there is a lot of suffering, a lot more suffering ahead? A couple of days ago, when President Biden visited Ukraine, it was a nine-year anniversary since Putin invaded Crimea. So for us, this war is already very long. It did not start a year ago. It started nine years ago. And because Putin felt his impunity, it continued and led to this. So we know how to run those marathons. We know how to fight when nobody believes that it's worth fighting. Uh, this is why I do believe that we will stand no matter how long it will take. Is it a matter of outlasting Putin, outlasting uh, Russia? No, it's a matter of winning faster because what Putin wants is to have this war, a war of attrition, like a long one. And it's it's just a matter of us uniting the forces right now, uh, removing all the roadblocks, having like enough of them weapons so we would not face enemy empty-handed and hitting back and getting back all our territories, liberating our people. This is the goal. If we're talking in a year's time, where do you think Ukraine will be as a country? I do want to hope that we will be a country that is called like post-war, rebuilding, innovative, um, having public discussion about where the country should go and how quickly we should be joining EU and NATO. I know that it's an aspiration that it may not happen this way in a year, but I believe that this moment will come. And the most important thing is that we all believe it because this gives us the power and the fuel to fight. 
Kira Ruddick, Ukrainian MP, thanks for joining us on News Talk Breakfast. Uh, we're also joined on the line by Jared Toll, Professor of Government and International Affairs at Virginia Polytechnic Institute and State University. Uh, Jared, you wrote a really interesting piece last March that the war could be ended, but peace would be tough for Ukrainian to swallow. We're 11 months on from that point. How far are we from peace, in your view? Well... Unfortunately, I think we're still really quite far, maybe even further from peace. Um, uh, We have heard this week, uh, on Tuesday, we heard a very belligerent speech from Putin uh, in the Kremlin. Uh, We heard a speech from Biden uh, in Warsaw, which was, uh, you know, casting the war in universal terms and uh, showing solidarity with Ukraine. Ukraine's leadership is calling for more and more weapons, uh, and they're getting uh, more and more weapons. So unfortunately, we're further away from peace. A lot more people have died. That also makes it extremely difficult. Uh, this is, this is a, a really awful war. You wrote last March, and I I think most observers would have agreed with your assessment at that stage, that to defeat Putin in the long run required a face-saving Russian victory in Ukraine in the immediate term. Given the success that none of us envisaged of the uh, Ukrainian forces, do you revisit that in any way, or do you still think that therein lies the path to peace? Yeah, I still think that that is um, what's going to happen in the end. It's going to be an ugly peace. Uh, it's not going to be one that um, Ukrainians are going to uh, rejoice over. Um, there has to be um, some kind of a negotiated uh, settlement to this, or else it will get even worse. And what has happened in the meantime between last March and now we're on the order of over 100,000 Ukrainians dead and wounded as a consequence of that. We don't exactly know the uh, the precise number. Probably no one knows the precise number, but it's extremely high. Now, on the Russian side, they have, according to the Pentagon, have over 200,000 dead and wounded. So this is a war where everyone is losing. And the more it goes on, the more, you know, intensified parties get in their positions. And we still have um, the danger of it escalating to a potential use of nuclear weapons. What should the West do at this stage? It's quite clear they're supporting Ukraine in every possible way they can, short of getting involved in the war. Is that the right approach, do you think? I think the West's policy has always been to try to strike a balance between, on the one hand, showing solidarity with Ukraine, and on the other hand, not getting directly involved. And uh, over the last year, what has happened is an escalatory spiral has taken place. Uh, The more we have uh, seen Russian war crimes in Ukraine, the more unable to uh, move Western opinion and Western leaders, and therefore uh, the Ukrainians have got more and more weapons. Uh, that therefore has, uh, on the one hand, uh, been uh, vital to Ukraine continuing to fight, but it has also had the effect that uh, NATO is now much more directly involved in the conflict, and it's a more dangerous 
conflict. So what's the best policy for the West? Um, I think the West has to nudge Ukraine towards some kind of an ugly peace, a settlement here, uh, which doesn't involve a direct attack on uh, Crimea. But I understand uh, that, you know, that's unacceptable to uh, a lot of Ukrainians. That's the dilemma that we're in right now. Finally, and, and I don't say this in any glib way because it is an appalling scenario, but I do get the impression from talking to you that you think if we're talking in a year's time on this date that the war will still be going on. I think that both parties are deeply entrenched in their positions. One of the things that uh, Western analysts hoped was that the war would unsettle the basis of uh, Putin's power. Uh, And it has certainly had significant impacts on uh, Russia. About half a million people have fled uh, when uh, Putin turned to general mobilization in September But um, he looks to be still uh, very much in power. If that is the case, then we're looking at a scenario where this uh, is entrenched and the killing goes on. And at a certain point, um, both parties are going to have to um, come to some sort of uh, a, a way of sitting down and um, having negotiations and a ceasefire. The issues do not need to be settled. Ukraine does not need to uh, have a peace treaty where it renounces its sovereignty claim over Crimea or the Donbass, but the killing needs to stop. And we have some kind of a frozen conflict um, until such time as... Um, things move and things will move uh, because Putin is old and because uh, in the long run, I do believe the time is on Ukraine's side. Uh, Certainly the Ukrainian economy is in free fall in a way that is not the case with Russia. So it looks like time is on Russia's side, but I think that the West is committed to supporting Ukraine and will not let it fail. And ultimately the West has 10, 20 times the GDP power, the material power that Russia has. We will leave it there. Professor Gerard Toll, Professor of Government and International Affairs at Virginia Polytechnic Institute and State University. Thank you for talking to News Talk Breakfast. News Talk Breakfast with Kira Kelly and Shane Coleman. In association with AIR. Weekday mornings at 7 on News Talk.